I'm your host, Carrie Arata, Akashic Records reader, psychic sleuth, and spiritual guide. And this is The Infinite Dance, the Akashic Podcast. All right, welcome back to all of you that have been listening. Thank you. And if this is your first episode of the of the Infinite Dance, um, I would say um, this is going to be part three in a three-parter. So um, you might want to go back and listen to part two and part one just to have it make sense. And it is International Podcast Day. So happy International Podcast Day. Um, I am so enjoying doing the podcast. It has definitely been such a passion project and I'm not going to lie. These last couple episodes have been tough only because regurgitating a story where you've gone through trauma and when, when you've gone through a lot of painful experiences, um, it's hard to go back and like revisit them. And I know this is healing and, um, I, I really feel like it's so much more beneficial for the person that has gone through the traumatic or, um, harder times and those listening we we've all gone through tough times right and we we experience the highs and the lows during those tough times so i know this is healing on so many levels for so many not just uh myself um but i'm pushing through (laughs) um telling it and this last one was really hard you know um this is uh, part three of part one of hashtag moving in the time of COVID. And I'm titling this one, the Blairsden experience when, um, I, f- the, the second part of, of moving in the time of COVID was to a small town in Northern California called Blairsden. And, you know, this is, this is my experience during a global pandemic um, you know, trying to make, trying to do all the things, you know, right. I thought it, you know, I knew I was going to move back to California at some point. I had lived in Colorado for about 15 years. Of course, no one thinks you're going to make any plans around, you know, a pandemic, but here I am and <clears throat> receiving help from family. And this is really how healing generational healing looks, you know, at, at its finest in all the spectrum (laughs) of the healing process, the pain, the, the sheer terror, the, why did I even come back? Right. Um, I should have just stayed, uh, where I was, you know, um, there were so many things going through my head, like so many of us during, uh, the pandemic, especially at the beginning. And and now as we're still in it, still with so many unknowns. Um, and you know, these things could have happened anywhere. Um, you know, my process of life could have happened in any town. It just happened to happen, happened to go down in Blairsden. And, um, you know, Blairsden's a small town in Northern California, the Eastern Sierra Nevada's 
it's also dubbed this area the Las Sierras, um, and it is uh, full of so much space and a ton of trees, a ton of mountain lakes that you can swim in. You know, you can get in these lakes. They're not so far up that you can't, you know, do things on them, kayak, paddleboard, um, you know, canoe, or just swim. And the people, um, you know, were just really, really great too. Just, you know, I met a decent part of you know, people that I connect with, with the things that, you know, I'm interested in. And so that was, that was really cool. Um, but without further ado, let's get into part three of part one of hashtag moving in the time of COVID. We left off last time and I was having full body chills as I turned on to the last stretch heading into uh, Blairsden I got so agitated. I was sitting, and I remember just almost feeling like I had like, like I was going to start itching all over. I mean, it was so irritating and I got so grumpy and I started complaining about how far it was from Reno, you know, where my folks were and uh, my brother and his family. And it's kind of funny because, you know, here I am complaining about the distance you know, I was the only person in the family that moved out of state and, you know, lived there for 15 years. And here I'm like, well, I'm going to be more than an hour away, you know, like <laughs> what's going on. Um, but, you know, here's that here's that gut instinct, right? I mean, it's hitting me on, on all levels. I'm getting grumpy. I'm physically feeling very uncomfortable and um, you know, my gut saying, okay, you know, there's some trouble ahead. This, this is gorgeous looking, but there's going to be some, some things that are really tough. And, um, I, you know, I was kind of like, I don't think this should happen. But then I was also like, but where am I going to go kind of thing? And I know there was fear that was basing a lot of this happening the way it did, meaning the timeline, you know, I mean, maybe if there wasn't fear of, Oh, you know, I have two cats, you know, and my, my folks aren't used to animals in the home. We always had animals, but they're mainly outdoors. Um, and which, you know, is, is tough for me. That's, you know, I, I, I couldn't see having my fur children not near me. Um, I enjoy their company. And, but you know, the fear of, oh, what if, what if she used to get on our feet and stay with us for four or five months, find work, whatever, you know, start to rebuild the practice, uh, things like that here and then move forward. But it was kind of like, oh, well, you know, it, so there was a lot of fear. And I mean, there was just fear swirling all over. You know, I mean, think about, go back as I know it's, it's really tough. When we all first found out about the pandemic and COVID and grocery shopping and moving around, I mean, anything, right? You got to close this business down, that business down. Um, I mean, it was fear times a hundred. So I don't know if that would have been able to be, you know, 
don't know if that would have been able to be something we could have done differently. Um, but, you know, again, we're trying to make decisions about, you know, let's move forward. Um, and it's kind of exciting. Okay, let's buy a family, you know, let's, the folks that let's get a family house that we could have as an investment property um, and have a place to go. Um, you know, because even though it's like, it's about, it's a solid hour. There's two ways to get there. The way I was going, getting the full body chills is the, a little bit longer. So it's hour and a half. If you take uh, another route, it's only an hour, um, about depending on what area of Reno you're in. Um, but it's solid. And, um, so yeah, you know, um, it's, it's a place that people in the area will go to get away because there's less people, you could still be at mountain lakes, you could still hike, you could still um, cross-country ski. I don't think there's any actual like downhill ski hills up there. Um, I could be super wrong though, there probably are. I, I mean, it was the pandemic, so I didn't, you know, try to see about skiing um, in that the winter time. But, um, so it's a place people go to get away that's nearby, you know, you have to go too far. And so that makes it really appealing. And, um, when we turned onto the main road in the little, uh, area that the house was, um, and then you turn onto one more road and that's where I saw the golf course. And I was like, Oh, Oh, so it's, it's right here you know because then we turned down one more street and there's the house <laughs> and um i know a lot of people like to golf and i'm not complaining necessarily but for me i would never be like oh it's my dream to live on a golf course that's actually the least place i would want to live i know you're like what when i was oh i don't know I think I was just 30, maybe a little bit 31. My ex that I was with for, for forever liked to golf. And sometimes I would go with him and we uh, were golfing one day and I went to get a ball in the trees. And the next thing you know, I felt something hit my head and I started screaming. I knew I wasn't going to die, but I could not see see because of all the blood coming gushing down my face and I immediately sat down and I was just screaming because I couldn't see and when my ex would hit the golf ball it would deflect to the right and it deflected right into my forehead and it was definitely <laughs> I felt like a scene from like Carrie the movie I mean it was you know again blood just gushing down and I ended up having to go to the hospital and getting stitches. So to me, golfing is like one of the most violent sports. And it's the only one that, you know, I had to get stitches from in all the different sports I played. And so, you know, being near a golf course is definitely like really low on the list for me of places like I wouldn't choose, right? And when I had asked my my folks when they were telling me, you know, we were looking at the houses and okay, where, you know, where's it going to be? And okay, you know, there's a golf community. We've stayed here before. Um, 
I said, but it's not on the golf course because that would give me massive anxiety. And I'm kind of already anxiety ridden because it's a pandemic, you know, no, no practice. The future is unknown. And so, oh no, it's not on the golf course. Well, lo and behold, it wasn't like on the golf course, but it was across the street from the houses that were on the golf course. <laughs> so, you know, and I would have some golf balls in my front, on my front lawn. And so to me, that's a little too close for comfort. Um, so I was already having a bit of anxiety there, right? Well, look, I, I made the turn, right? And knew, right? The instinct kicked in and was like, nope, this is absolutely not going to be what's going to work for you um, in what you were thinking. You know, a safe place to be in the mountains, near water, um, near family. And so we... Went to the house. Of course, we don't have keys yet because we're still waiting on that inspection. And But we start looking around. There's a little back deck. And we went up to the back deck. And there's a sliding glass door. And I look at my mom. And I'm like, I'm going to try. And I did. <laughs> and it was <laughs> unlocked. So we both went in and to look around. And, you know, it was really one of those things where it was like, why would you not want to look around? It was a turnkey and we had a list of things they were keeping and we said, okay, to, And so, you know, you don't want a pile of other things in a home that you're going to have to get rid of, you know, um, that's, that's doesn't sound great. So we both went in, um, you know, we really, like I said, want to take stock of everything. Um, and I wanted to see the house in person. I just seen it in pictures and, um, you know, it was just the right size. It wasn't too big, um, too bad. It had two bathrooms and there was a huge, um, garden tub in the master. So yay. And cause that's one of my favorite things. This Mintakin was extremely happy to be able to take, um, long, long baths. And, um, there was the back deck. And it had like one of those like, um, what is it called? Lattice fences. So it's not like an actual fence. You could still see through it. And that was around the deck. So there wasn't an actual yard. There's like the side yard. But again, there's no, it's not like a privacy yard or, you know, you couldn't like, like, you know, if you have a dog, send the dog out to the yard, you know, kind of thing. It wasn't that kind of thing. And the neighbor behind seemed really close. And I was like, hmm. You know, um, but I was like, well, I'm living out here alone, um, you know, so maybe it'll be nice to have people close by, right? And it's a slightly, um, I mean, there's all kinds of people in the neighborhood. There was definitely some other single folks, uh, young family, uh, but a lot of the people were retired um, or part-timers, you know, so maybe they were still working, um, but they had, it was a second home many of the homes in this area were people's second homes. Um, so cruising around the house and, but we're like, all right, we probably shouldn't, you know, stick around too long in it without having the key. But I mean, the check was cash. So it's like, it's, it's really just waiting on that one little technicality. And you know, a million people were buying homes at this time. So 
the office of the inspector was definitely overloaded. Um, but I couldn't shake the uneasy feelings that I had gotten coming in and I was still feeling, you know, pretty off, but we decided to go to lunch like we had planned and, um, made our way to, um, the coyote grill, which my mom had liked, she had already been there and I had already been asking her, I'm like, can we maybe get a hold of the realtor and maybe we could actually do this legit, you know, like have him give us a key because there was a lockbox on the front door or, you know, he could bring us by whatever. And she was, she kept really heeing and hot. Oh, I think he's too busy. And I'm like, well, we're his client, you know, so, um, and again, this could have been something we could have like checked in with before we headed out because we had planned on heading out there. Um, but after we get done with lunch, um, she actually called him and, oh no, we went by his office. I think we went by his office because the office was in the little area that the home was. So it wasn't in a separate area of this town. It was in the same area. And he said, you know, give him a little bit of time. And so we sat there on this bench. I think she was the only one that could go in the office. Like you could only have like one person in a, going in an office. You know how they were doing that at, at one point. Um, about three, four or five months into the pandemic. And I remember sitting on the bench and still feeling uneasy from getting those full body chills. I just started crying. And I was like, I just don't know about this. I'm getting such uneasy feelings. And she's like, well, I, you know, it, I'm sure it'll be fine. I'm like, you know, and, and I still have this like feeling of like, I might mess up. Like, okay, you know, we're all deciding on this, but you know, uh, it, it was such a weird thing of, but I might mess up again. Like, well, what did I mess up on? Like, what was I feeling so guilty about messing up on, you know, like there was, you know, life. And I, I look back at all the different aspects of my life up to then and was like, you know, at peace with everything, you know, um, moving away, um, you know, spending time, the amount of time I did with my ex, although I know it was probably about four or five years longer than I should have been with him. But, um, you know, there, there, that's another story in and of itself, <laughs> but, um, of why I stayed longer, but, you know, I, I was feeling really like this, like this, I don't want to mess up, you know? And I think I was trying to process those feelings of what is this gut instinct of yuck, right? Here I'm in this gorgeous area and having this opportunity to rebuild myself with the assistance of my family. You know, that's what's kind of going in the back of my head. So we get the, we get, you know, he agrees, he comes out, we make it over to the house. Um, we all go inside. And I remember wanting to like look through the drawers and like, just, you know, see what, what is going on in that regards. And this realtor, who I call Tom number one. Um, there's a Tom story in this <laughs> subsoria Tom story. Um, 
stood there in the middle of the front room with his hands on his hips. I swear there was like, you know, smoke coming out of his nose. Um, he just seemed so irritated. And I remember thinking, okay, he could have just given us the key. There's a lockbox, you know, um, there's not an issue whether or not our end it's going to go through. So what's happening? Um, and I would ask him questions like about cell phone coverage, you know, in a smaller town, that's always nice to know. And he would be like, Oh, Verizon, you know, he was just not helpful really like that irrit almost like that irritating feeling I was feeling, right? You know, the full body chills and stuff. And, you know, I was like, what is this guy's problem? Because any other realtor I've had to purchase a house or the, you know, have a friend that's a realtor, they're so hospitable. They're so, like, how can I help out, you know? Um, they're so good at, like, doing all that so it was so weird to have somebody so grumpy and the one thing i did notice was the garage was full of junk um it, and some of the stuff we agreed on like some yard you know rakes and, and things like that but then there was like boxes of just junk and i wasn't able to go through them though you know because we did agree on like yard supplies um but that would have been nice because we didn't want to stick around with you know Tom number one, the worst realtor in the world, um, standing there with his hands on his hips, just like, why are you here? You know? So, um, we, we left the house not seeing really much more than when we snuck in. Um, no questions were answered about things that were left, um, other than things that were agreed upon. And, um, you know, I was still feeling pretty anxious and, I, I, at that point was like, I don't know if I could do this, you know, um, all these different, all this different energy was not great. And, um, but you know, I kind of talked about it with my mom on the, on the ride home and was like, you know, if it's not the great, you know, the place that's going to be great, you know, then, I can always move. And, you know, at that point, what am I going to do? You know, I just moved all of my things from Colorado. Um, so it's like, okay, you know, maybe it's just nerves. Maybe it's just past stuff. Um, you know, it was really hard to process still. Um, I, I don't think there was a ton of clarity. Like I would get hits like, I, like that. Right. But as far as like my own stuff and what I needed to go through, um, it wasn't super clear and you know, all right. You know, our plan is still in place to proceed. You know, I, I can live there, pay the mortgage, pay the bills with pandemic unemployment assistance, getting in this online job, starting to real bit, rebuild my practice, trying to get more of an online presence, which is really, really hard for me. Um, I have a really hard time with that. Um, soak in the tub, you know, long soaks in the tub, walks in the forest, swimming and stand up paddle boarding in the mountain lakes. I mean, that's, that sounds like me. I got this, you know, I can, I can do this. This is great. You know, seven weeks, 
from the time I got to Reno. It was finally moving day to Blairston. <laughs> we thought it would be a couple weeks. Seven whole weeks. And, I, you know, I was ready for the fresh start, the clean slate. That's what I kept telling myself. So in my New Mexico-themed U-Haul, complete with an alien on it, I made my way to Blairsden, this time through Reno to um, Highway 395 to, to Highway 70. That 70 is the highway that leads into on that side, um, Blairsden. And now at the California-Nevada borders, no matter, you know, if you're going from um, that way, or if you're going 80 into Truckee, um, there's an agricultural inspection kiosk. We, we call it the bug station. So, um, definitely had to go through the bug station, um, which, you know, whatever. No, I don't have fruit. Most half the time they just, you know, wave at you, peace sign you. Um, I got to the kiosk and I was asked to pull over to the side shit. Um, feeling a little nervous, like what the heck? Um, they need to check the truck. So I went to get the key, but the key, the, yeah, I had the key to drive the truck, but we had put a lock on, on the back part because we had loaded it up the night before and my, my folks had that key double shit, but thank God they were about five minutes behind me and were able to, um, we were able to open up the truck few. And in the other, so that's a double-edged thing because, you know, I, I actually commute now to, into Truckee, so I'm going through a bug station three times a week. And, you know, I'm glad they're doing that. They check anything that's big for um, human trafficking. Um, so I'm really glad that they, they check. I was just nervous because I didn't have a key, and I was like, oh, you know, I can't comply with you. Um, so I was just nervous that way. Um, but the exit to 70 to get to, um, the exit, you know, to get to 70 from 395, um, was pretty quick after that. And it's exit number eight. And that is one of my lucky numbers. And it, it's called Hallelujah Junction. And I was like, oh, my favorite one of my favorite numbers and a word of rejoicing. Uh, all right. Things are looking, you know, all right here. Sun is shining, you know, a little bit of smoke though. Right. So we, we, we had fires back then, not as bad as these fires this year. Um, but they were bad enough where you were sleeping with one eye open and your bags are packed. All your important documents are, uh, nearby just in case. And so as we unpack the truck and get the cat settled, my dad begins looking all around the property for a propane tank or a gas meter. Um, the house was listed as being heated by gas, um, but we can't find a tank or a meter anywhere. And we're kind of like, okay, this is weird. Um, it's summer still though, so we're not super worried about that. Um, you know, well, we can deal with it next week kind of thing. Um, I meet some of my neighbors, um, Patty and Tom number two, the town of Tom's, um, and their dogs, Macy and Jesse. Yay. I'm across the street from dogs. I was so excited. Um, they moved in full time three years prior from, from Breckenridge, Colorado. Ha. And, um, so we had a little Colorado connection there. Um, and then another neighbor came by Tawny to see about um, if she could have some of our moving boxes 
for the community garden and then she says hey do you like to garden and i was like i sure do so um there are three gardens in the area that the um volunteers called peps tended to um awesome and she's recruiting me and, and i believe that day she actually took me to one of the main ones and showed me the herbs and the little shed and the bird houses that they made it was it was really cute um so awesome i have nice neighbors and i get to volunteer in the community garden so i'm thinking okay that will help too with not feeling so lonely in a new place um over the next couple of weeks, I stay busy unpacking and getting the house settled, um, sleeping with one eye open again because of the, the wildfires and the um, smoke. Walking in the forests wasn't happening quite yet. Um, the smoke was really bad. In fact, when I went to the town nearby that had a proper grocery store, ash was falling onto the ground. And um, so that was closer to um, the fires at that time. And, um, so, you know, that was, that was a bit daunting too, you know, moving in the time of COVID, a global pandemic and these, um, you know, scary wildfires that are hard to get under control in a dry, dry area and climate, um, that we've been seeing here. Um, So, you know, I'm still getting settled. Um, one morning, um, I, I could hear a, a yard maintenance worker doing the leaf blower, you know, thing really loud. And at one point she had come over to um, the, our, you know, the, my, my house. And she, I was like, oh, hey, uh, you know, we're, we're new owners. We, we, we don't, we'll do our own yard maintenance um, that's fine. And you know, little did I know there was a million pine needles. Um, but I was like, you know, I still have an able body and I am technically unemployed. So I've got plenty of time to pick up all those pine needles. Plus it's a fantastic workout. It is a amazing workout, the raking and then the picking up the pine needles and putting them in the bags. Um, and she apologized. She said, oh, I'm just so used to doing it. It was like, you know, autopilot. I'm like, oh, no problem. I just, I was more concerned. I didn't want to get charged. Um, you know, some kind of fee. I didn't know how that worked. So cool, cool. Um, the following week, um, I am at the door. Like I had my garage door open and there's a door in the garage that went into the house and I was standing at the door. I was like probably going in and out, still unpacking stuff. Who knows? Um, because I, you know, not only was I unpacking, I was moving stuff because there was, again, turnkey and there was so much junk. They even left the junk drawer. They left that crap. Like, who wouldn't take out your junk drawer? You know, nobody wants that. Um, but so I, there was a lot of other stuff like that. Not your just normal, oh, I'm going to, you know, wipe a, a window down or whatever. Um, so, um, a man walks up the driveway and introduces himself as um, the landscaper. He owns the landscaping company. And if I'd like to, um, ha you know, use his services. And I said, oh, no, you know, we're, we're okay. We're doing it all ourselves. Um, but, you know, 
I, I, you know, it's no problem for me to care for the yard. And, um, he said he also owns the tavern in town. So if I changed my mind, you know, he knows where he could find me. And I said, yeah, all right. You know, I think the town had like 500 people in it. I'm sure it's not hard to find, you know, anybody there. Um, but I was like, all right. Um, but you know, I never went to that tavern. I never went to that tavern. Um, I got invited by one lady, but she talked incessantly and I was like, I'm no, I, I just can't do that. So, um, now I know where to find him. Um, Tom number three. Yeah. This guy's name's Tom too. See town of Tom's. Um, so it's now October. The smoke has been dissipating enough to where I can start hiking and explore the area. So I was really excited because I love getting out. I love hiking. I love having my little spots that I do. You know, I like having my longer spots to go to or, you know, my little lunch, you know, my lunch loops um, where, you know, it's it's something I could do, um, you know, in it, you know, I can go for like an hour hike and just get a nice little, you know, I'm in nature and I'm getting a little bit of a workout kind of thing. So my first drive up gold highway to lakes basin. Um, and I, um, passing, I couldn't even, I couldn't wrap my head around how many lakes I was passing and they're all in the, if you're driving up the Gold Highway, they're on the right-hand side. And I'm like, ah, oh, Goose Lake, you know, uh, Golden Lake. I mean, there were so many, like every, you know, couple, five miles, there's another lake. And um, so I had already, though, on my All Trails app, which I love that app, I staked out, I wanted to go to Salmon Lake Lodge. Um, and there wasn't a lodge. I guess there is a lodge on one part of it, but the part I was going to wasn't the lodge part, but it was really cool because once you turned off the main highway, um, the road was more like a dirt road and there was even this little tiny bridge to go over. Um, I was like, Oh, this is great. Right. So I'm sitting, I get to, I get to the little area where you can, you know, um, sit by the water's edge and I'm looking up at the Sierra Nevadas and they're just, this day was just one of those crisp fall days, blue skies, not a cloud in the sky. So the lodgepole pines are lined up in droves and that blue sky is just, you know, that blue and green playing off each other is just so bright and so clear and I'm looking out at this little, you know, clear lake and I just began to weep. You know, I had put in my manifestations, um, that I wanted to, um, be near lakes where I can, and that's where I wanted to live so I could write and I could swim and meditate. You know, I wanted somewhere quiet. So I really, you know, I did want somewhere that wasn't super busy. So even though I didn't know anybody going into this town, I've never had a problem making friends anywhere I go. Um, I'm pretty friendly, even though I need my alone time. But when I am out, I am usually have no problem, you know, meeting people, um, you know, and read acrostic records for clients um, and swim all the time. Did I say swimming? <laughs> um 
you know, and eventually I, re I really wanted to get a stand up paddle board and I could tote it around in my car rack. I already have a car rack. Came, the car came with a rack. You know, this is me. This is me. And this is what I kind of put out for myself. And so it was a good cry and a good like, wow, this is this is kind of happening. It's this has been a hard road, you know, um, but this this can kind of be attained this life um, that would help feed my soul and all the things that make me me and and get me to that place of ease, right? Um, when times are tough. So the house, the kitchen inside the house has these three windows in it and they overlook the side yard and I can actually see my neighbor's house and actually inside my neighbor's house if their blinds are drawn and I'm sure vice versa, um, because we had the exact same design. They like mirrored the windows. So if I had a window in the kitchen or if I had a window, they spaced them exactly across from each other. There wasn't like, oh, let's, you know, maybe put it at a catty corner or something. So mm, that, that's kind of weird. But um, so there's these nice big windows, though. So light came in the kitchen, which is so nice. And most mornings I'm sweeping. It's just like a morning thing I do. You know, usually the cat, like around the cat litter boxes and, you know, anything else from the day before. It's just a morning thing I do. And this particular morning I was um, sweeping and I'm still in my PJs and uh, these PJs were, you know, I'd had them for three years, it's like a black, just like shirt dress, you know, nothing fancy, just a little shirt dress, but I had had it for three years and then it had been a part of my COVID uniform. You know, I was in that all the time, right? Remember when we were told to stay at home, you were go back and forth between staying in your pajamas all day, being in legging, whatever, you know, and this was the pajamas that I would be in. So those things had taken a hit. And even though it was black and it wasn't see-through when I bought it, it was probably not, you know, it was probably kind of see-through by this time. In fact, it was because I'd washed it so much. I'd worn it so much and washed it so much. And so I'm, uh, I had bent over to scoop the, the, um, the litter into the dustpan because I was sleeping around the cat litter boxes. And when I stood up, I saw a man creeping on the side of my house. And when I say creeping on the side of my house, like he was literally, his body was on the house, like, um, to get, if you were to get to um, that side of the house where I could see where I'm describing to you, from the front of the home, you have got to wedge yourself between the house and um, a, a tall like bush. Um, and there wasn't a lot of space. You had to turn sideways and you kind of had to inch yourself. You know, I mean, you could make it through. It's not like it was super overgrown or anything like that. But it wasn't one of those things where you're walking straight or, you know, you're definitely having to make your body smaller to get through that little area. And so I'm like, what's this person doing, right? And so I knocked on the window because I'm like right there, you know, and I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, 
I'm doing maintenance. And I'm like, I didn't call for any maintenance. What are you doing in my yard? And he was like, oh, I do maintenance for the like 80% of the homes in this area. And I said, I met you on my driveway a couple of weeks ago. What are you doing in my yard? I told you I didn't want your services. And he holds up this key ring with a million keys on it. So, I mean, okay, yeah, you probably do service most of the homes in this neighborhood. But I didn't ask for your services. And he's like, oh, well, I just, you know, on Wednesdays between 9 and noon, I am doing, you know, landscaping work. I'm like, but not in my yard because I didn't ask for your services because the only way to go from, if you squeeze like he did uh, against my house, it's not like, like, he was in the other person's, even though I could see it and there wasn't a proper fence between my side yard and the neighbors, like it's very clearly, um, the line is very clear. Um, they had placed these rocks a certain way. So, I mean, it was pretty clear whose property was who. I mean, you might, you know, a couple inches or something might be a, you know, oh, is it two inches on yours or two inches on mine? But like walking, you know whose side you're on. And so I said, you don't belong in my yard. I need you to leave. You know, you need to leave um, or else I'm going to call the cops. And, you know, he says, um, you know, he, he kept saying basically he was entitled to be there. And I was like, you are never entitled to be here. He never apologized for scaring me. Like, you scared the crap out of me. You're some man creeping around a yard, you know, and you had to squeeze against my home to get into my side yard. You know, it's not like, oh, wait, I'm in the wrong yard. You know, their house is gray. Mine is dark green. You know, there's just no way. Um, there's no reason for you to be here. And so get away. And so, um, he finally left and I'm shaking and, I'm like, what the, what the fuck? What, what, what is going on? And this is when Tom number three becomes Tom number two because it rhymes with poo. And that's just what I do when I have a lot of time and I'm alone. And, you know, this is what goes through my head. So um, that was a really unnerving. And I thought... You know, in all of the places I've lived in, and I've lived in a lot of places, the only times I felt, uh, I had one experience when I was younger living in the San Francisco Bay Area where I was followed. My girlfriend and I were followed coming from a, a punk rock show in Berkeley. Um, one time, you know, all the other times I felt threatened or like, you know, I'm here alone, you know, like, like I'm in that scenario. Like I was with this man has been in these like smaller, predominantly white towns with these entitled men who think they can just kind of go wherever. And I'm like, mm -mm. you do not get to go wherever you want to go, especially somebody else's property. Like when is that ever okay? And you know, it happened when I was in lived in Southern Colorado in a small town and these two boys, well, they were, you know, probably 20 
somethings, but they were missionaries, you know, and they'd already approached me and my ex together. And we said, we're not interested, you know, but thank you. We were very kind. There was no, we weren't, there was nothing mean or unkind. And they must've seen him leave because he went to work and I was there at the house and it was back when I had a cell phone and a landline. And those little fuckers came back to my porch and were like, we want to talk. And I was like, what the, we, I just talked to you and said, I'm not interested What's your problem. Oh, I said, listen, you get off my porch right now or I'm calling the cops because you do not belong here. And that's, you know, again, what, what, what is wrong with these people? Anyways, that was very unnerving and made me feel really uneasy. And, you know, every time I saw that guy, I pretty much cursed him, um, under my breath. Right. I mean, screw that dude, screw that dude. And he always had a scowl on his face. This man always had a scowl on his face. And I ended up vending, um, at the garden center, which I did, um, quite a bit when I was there. Oh my goodness. Thank goodness for the garden center. Such a great little place in Blairston. They've got amazing plants, um, amazing, um, gifts. And, um, there's a market that happens, um, every weekend in the summer and then through the holidays. Um, but I was vending and one of the guys vending next to me is vending these awesome tie dye shirts and bags. And we started talking, I told him where I lived and he's like, Oh my God, I used to work for, you know, Tom, that cokehead, da da da. you know, that guy's just, you know, a drunk and a cokehead. And I'm like, huh. That kind of would make sense then, you know, that somebody would be so delusional to come into somebody's yard and, and act like they, they, they're okay being there. You know, when you've told them, I told them twice now, I mean, I saw his, one of his workers and said, Oh, Hey, we're not on your roster anymore. You know, new owners. Okay. And then him coming to my driveway. Right. So this man had been told twice that, you know, uh, your services aren't needed here, but thank you. And still felt entitled to come on to somebody's private property. So that winter was especially rough. Um, you know, in a small town, you know, we're in a pandemic. We went on tier, I forget what it was now, Reddit or whatever. Okay. You know, stay at home. Don't gather. Just go to the grocery store. You know, I, um, apply for the pandemic unemployment insurance assistance in California. And I got disqualified, even though I went over all the paperwork and thought I was turning everything I was supposed to. And you could not get a hold of somebody to save your life. Um, well, you could, and it would take a couple months. And I did it once. And I was like caller number 13. I thought I won the lottery and I think it was maybe asking the question, why am I disqualified? Or, oh, um, no, it was before I even got the disqualifying letter. You know, they said, oh, you know, um, I just want to make sure I was sending everything incorrect. She said, yeah. So to get disqualified, like, what the heck? So, okay, what am I supposed to do? Um, my savings had pretty much dwindled by now. And every single online job I applied at, I'm not kidding, rejected me some after the second interview so i would get to like a second interview most it was silently you know um 
so that was really tough. Like, well, I'm out here, you know, with no opportunities. I mean, no place was hiring. They're closed, you know, um, a coffee shop or whatever. I mean, maybe they were open, but you know, the person that owned it or was there already was, you know, probably hanging onto their job. Um, I did do readings at that market a couple times, um, until Halloween. Um, and then they were gearing up for a holiday market and I thought, Oh, I will start making my, um, buckwheat hall filled pillows, which I call the infinite pillow. Um, back then I was just making them for clients or, um, like other MTs, other massage therapists and for my massage practice. But I thought, Oh, let me just make a bunch of them. Right. Um, and the thank goodness too. So I had the market to look forward to. Um, and you know, I was outside. So even though things were, you know, um, still iffy as far as the pandemic went, we were outside and the garden ladies doubled as a book club and we read some really, um, great books. Um, oh my God, I totally forgot to write my favorite one down. Um, oh my gosh, I'm going to remember it and I'll post it. Um, but we read some great books, um, and we would meet in person. Like, I don't know, maybe the one time and then the rest were on zoom. Um, and you know, it was really stressful going to the grocery store there. I, uh, you know, gas, I had to get gas and the town that was 25 miles away, Quincy had a Safeway, it has a Safeway and they have a, it's called a grocery outlet and they have produce and then they have a lot of like, things are just discounted. It's kind of like, it's almost like Sprouse, but it's, I guess maybe kind of like a Sprouse. Um, but then they have, you know, deep discounts on things, which is so nice. And that was amazing. And that was like my social outlet half the time was going there. But, you know, if I needed like animal, you know, cat food or cat litter, you know, certain things I would get at like a, a larger place or clothes or anything else, you know, you drive into Reno. And, you know, if you plan for that and you have income, it's not probably a big deal. But if you don't, then it's a little daunting to make that drive, um, you know, because it's an hour each way, you know, in the periodontist, it, the access to healthcare out there for myself and my um, cats was really tough. Um, nothing was close. The only periodontists nearby that were affordable were in Reno. And the only periodontists near in California under like Medi-Cal were in Napa or Fairfield, which is about an hour outside, hour and a half outside of Sacramento, heading towards the Bay Area. Uh, so like that's like a three, you know, three hour drive. Napa probably four. Like, are you kidding me? Okay. Um, so again, stressed about how am I gonna care for myself? How am I gonna get my animals anywhere if something's wrong with them um the one guy that was close wasn't taking any new clients or patients and then the other one that was a little further in that town quincy had a bad reputation but i ended up having to take 
um, Daxter there a couple times just because he was still on the mend from having his um, crystals in his urethra from the summer before. So um, I would get done with the drive if I did go into Reno for whatever. And thank goodness I never had to take the cats with me for anything. Uh, Daxter especially does not do well on drives. He usually wets his carrier. So it's, it's really stressful because I know he's stressed out. He might, you know, urinate, may throw up. Um, so I'm worried about him. So I, you know, if I went out, like say I had to go to periodontist, I would always double it for, okay, let me get some groceries or let me get, you know, suck up on cat food or, you know, something like that. So I was usually gone for a good chunk of the day. So a lot of the times when I would get home from one of these trucks and again, just stressed this, this, all the thing about it, all the things about it just stressed me out for so many reasons. I would come back, stand in my kitchen and yell, fuck. I would just stand there and just like swear. And I'm thinking, what is wrong? Like, okay, I know things are stressful and, you know, but I was like beside myself and the neighbors to the left, I didn't have any neighbors on the right, were part-timers and then the neighbors behind me, Audie and Tom, number four, the fourth Tom, she was, she couldn't hear very good and because they were close though, you know, they were kind of close um, so I was kind of glad she couldn't hear super great. And Peanut, their little Shih Tzu, was always, no, he wasn't a Shih Tzu, or she wasn't a Shih Tzu. What is it called? A little, little bit brown, sh like kind of like, like the, not super long hair. Oh my God, she was so cute. But she did, she barked a lot. I'm like, okay. So, you know, they're not hearing anything. But that would happen more than once. And I think one time I even flipped the house off. You know, I just had such a hard time there. The aloneness, you know, is it the aloneness? I, I like being alone. I like my alone time. I like space. Um, not knowing anyone. Gosh, you know, I make friends everywhere I go. You know, I, I usually have no problem. I'll talk to somebody at the grocery store. You know, hey, whatever, nice shirt, nice sunnies. I mean, you know, whatever. I'll just kind of strike up a conversation. If somebody has a dog, I usually say, oh, you know, um, are they friendly? Can I, you know, interact with them? Um, you know, I think looking back now, it was the lack of hope. Um, you know, all the planned things had gone out the wayside, right? Um, and it was pretty hard to rebuild a full practice to where it was in Colorado. I was seeing clients, by the way. I would see some clients and, you know, I got around word of mouth. When I vended at that garden um, center's market, um, one of the massage therapists in town saw me and she saw my sign because it says, you know, Kashuk Records, Chakra Clearings, and here's that Meditating Alien logo I have. Um, she's like, here you are. You're out in the open. Like, here I am. You know, I do these psychic readings, and I do these Chakra Clearings, and, you know, this is who I am. And she was like, this is great. And I ended up doing readings on her, and she did body work on me. She's lovely, uh, human. 
And, um, you know, that was just so nice. Um, so I was doing some things, but, you know, not having that source of income really messes with your head. Um, you know, I wasn't able to, uh, help out with the mortgage or any of the bills. And, you know, I was going, I was still going through the tail end of the last dark night of my ego, dark night of the soul. And, you know, I'd look into the mirror and I did not recognize the woman looking back at me that my eyes looked so dark, like the, the skin around my eyes looked so dark. I just feel like the light was, was hard to find. And I looked so sad. Like I just was carrying around the pain and the suffering of my experiences. And, you know, looking back, I was carrying around the rejection. Um, you know, I had been rejected by my soulmate, not the man I lived with for 14 years. Um, that was, I fell out of love with him and I didn't want, you know, it was a mutual, okay, should we try to make it work? You know, is this just a, a phase? You know, yeah, that was a long time we were together. Um, or, you know, no, we need to go our separate ways in, in order to, you know, do what we need to do. And so, it, there wasn't rejection there, but like my, my soulmate had rejected me and I had had some, you know, traumatizing experiences in Colorado before I left, um, ending friendships, you know, um, it, you know, which maybe weren't so rejected, but I think the rejection of a soul connection is so tough to, to finagle through, especially then when you go through another tough time of here, I'm in a new place trying to make things work and nothing's panning out. Like I thought, you know, I think I was just wearing like in a rejection, like button, like badge, right? Like here I am, uh, here, you know, rejection was like following me around and, and it's, it's, it, it, you know, I wore it, you know, I saw it on my face. I saw it on my face and on top of all of this, that propane tank was non-existent and there was no gas meter because the house was entirely electric. It was stated in the paperwork or the, you know, flyer, you know, gas, you know, heated by gas, blah, blah, blah. Ask the terrible, most terrible realtor. Hey, how's, how's the gas bill in the winter? Oh, like $150 a month. Okay. It's high, but you know, we can make that work. Um, you know, somewhere probably tucked in that mountain of paperwork you get when you buy a home was that the whole home was get electric. Um, and by the way, an electric bill, on average, those that winter on that home, and it was a 1,200 square foot home, was $400 a month. And the water was like $200 a month. There's some crazy because of the, there was a pump. It was separate than the golf course. But I mean, I'm like, what the fuck? Who's paying this? I mean, that's 
that's a, a ticket, a plane ticket somewhere, you know, I don't want to pay that for the home to be watered and heated. So I just felt like it was like I was drowning, right? Like, how am I going to, how am I even going to get, this isn't normal. <laughs> this isn't normal things that you would pay for a home that's, you know, there was nothing fancy about the home. It was pretty standard 1980s, you know, built home. I mean, it needed to be updated, but it wasn't a fancy pants home by any means. Um, so, you know, it, it was beyond hopeless feelings a lot of the days, you know, many of the days. Um, how am I going to get past this? So because none of those plans were working out and my anxiety was just getting worse, I mean, it was just skyrocketing. Um, we all decided that, you know, this home is not a good fit for me to stay in on any level at that point or to be a, f a financial, you know, um, investment. Um, cause you couldn't, you couldn't make that money back. Um, cause even when nobody was in the home and it was like, I think the last electric bill, like let's say for April. Okay. So not super cold or hot or anything. I think it was like 80 bucks <laughs> with no one in the home. Like that, that's what I'm used to normally paying in the winter. Right. So, mm -mm. and you know, we didn't have to talk about it. Like we talked about it, but it's not like we had to discuss. We're like, yep, let's, let's start to get this thing. Let's start to get these wheels turning to, uh, not be here anymore. Um, I would live at in Tamarack court for nine whole months and boy, did I feel relief um, of having the burden of not having to make that home work. Right. Um, I did, however, <laughs> have enough sense to start this podcast. So yay. Um, cause it was started in February of 2021 of this year. Um, so and I know these are long-winded, and I really appreciate you listening to Moving in the Time of COVID Stories. It was a lot, and um, to do this generational healing, um, you know, those lodgepole pines that surrounded that whole area, that's what those kinds of trees are good for. They're really amazing at helping, like, hug you. I felt hugged by them, although I did, for the first time in my life, chase the sun there's so many of them and because my skin is so sensitive I was always I always chase the shade like I always have a shade tent an umbrella hat you know whatever when I'm in a sunny area and here I was chasing the sun because there was so much shade you know hello am I going into the shadows yes I am and I'm going deep and how are we going to transmute this And with a lot of forested area and trees such as that comes um, lots of uh, fairies. And I'm very aware of all the energy in that regards. And I did have what I called a bad fairy um, right out the front door. He lived right out the front door. Uh, he was not nice. He was uh, menacing. I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about him. Um, he was kind of mean. Um, and being that I was so distraught 
um, you know, it wasn't great to have that kind of energy. And I mean, nobody ever wants that kind of energy. Um, but after I cleared his energy away, um, and there was something that had gone on. No, 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 no. No, it wasn't with with that. Um, but after about, you know, it was like two, two and a half months after I moved in and I cleared that energy and um, the, the healing started to happen. Um, I started to feel less anxiety um, and I could really kind of get that into that healing space as opposed to the, you know, level 10 anxiety, freaking out, flipping off the house, swearing at it, right? I mean, I needed to get calm and focus on the future. So... And, you know, doing the podcast was a part of that. You know, how can I talk my talk um, and continue to do what I do on some level, right, of a more consistent basis? And that's what the podcast really helped with, too. And, you know, it was a little hard, though, thinking, you know, I'm in a quiet area. I mean, golfing's not necessarily a loud sport, right? Uh dangerous but not loud and it the little neighborhood i was in was really loud the the maintenance people were there two and three days a week um you know with large equipment and you know nobody had more than like a postage stamp worth of a grass patch um which is pretty par for the course in california um you know obviously they're going to take care of the golf course but i mean it's not like it's right there but to have it literally like at in your neighbor you know front door back door side caddy corner it was it was hard to get that quiet time that i would think i would have i mean it was hard to sit on my back deck and listen to the birds because there was always something that you would associate with a city sound but you know a lot of times there's that white noise that a city um, has, which is nice. Like whether you hear, you know, the cars going by or, or anything like that. Um, but this was, this was loud and it was a loud little neighborhood, you know, thinking I'm in a quiet area. Um, so that, that was tough too. As you, I probably, you can hear the train going by, um, but the train did go by in Blairsden. In fact, the garden center where I vended, um, I mean, it was right there, Boom, right? Like, you know, above you. I mean, you know, we waved to the, the train um, conductor. He, you know, he could see you, um, which was kind of cool to hear when it went off in the distance, um, like it is here. And... So that was the Blairsden experience. And um, like I said, there were some amazing people I met. And I feel like I always meet amazing people, you know, too. Um, 
and you know that garden center um the with what garden center had um lauren ran that and she is just like she loves um reiki and you know the kashik readings and the garden ladies especially pat um just kind of really um kind of got i think everything that was happening and um pam at the shop was just is just a neat um person a, another great little place to go to to get gifts um monica with her um amazing massage therapist and she just opened a yoga studio she's also a yoga teacher and so that's right there i would be there every week if i was still living in blairsden and then holly at the community center um i had talked with her about doing the guided meditations and we did them i think once or twice her and i <laughs> and then um we got told we can't you know come in groups um but she's a really great energy and um andrea who was my first akashic client in Blairston. So that's really special to me. Um, you know, and like I said, you can always find, I think, your people. Um, even in the middle of a pandemic. Um, but like I said, that house just was not meant to be lived in. It was meant to do this healing and, you know, there was a lot of crying, a lot of fighting, um, you know, the fighting that would go on between my folks and I had nothing to do with the house. It was more about judging. And so, you know, kind of coming to clarity with that and working through that, um, and, cool thing is when so the house sold in may and we did the final walkthrough and i took pictures and i'll post them again on my social media the house just had the biggest beams of light coming through every window and it was like four o'clock in the afternoon um this house was covered there was trees everywhere i would get light in the house and there was windows in every room but the one side of the home didn't have a lot of windows like the i don't know why they did and that was the area where i had the empty space it was like a yard that was the the property of you know our property um there's no windows on that side of the house but walking through i mean all this light these light orbs this healing energy you know the transmutation happened and so that's what we want right we want that transmutation to happen it's not always pretty going through the parts and it you know when you go through a lot and there's lots of different elements it's hard to get clear it's hard to know what to get your head clear i think um and then having all the uncertainty you know, it, it, it was, it was it, very daunting, but healing and the house showed that the house showed the healing and funny enough, just this morning, 
and I haven't had a chance to respond to her because um, I'm on a staycation, but I'm still working, but not with clients. Oh, well. Um, <laughs> that's how it goes sometimes. Um, so I'm trying not to communicate <laughs> too much with people um, just to have some sense of, you know, I'm doing something different. But I had somebody who lived in Blair's and she was going to come to one of my meditations uh, message me about uh, Beckworth Peak. And she said, hey, I was hanging out with some somebody the other day and they looked up at Beckworth Peak and said, it is one of the most healing peaks in the United States. And she's like, I know you do this kind of work. What do you think? And well, from personal experience, I'd say, yeah, <laughs> that peak's got some healing, major healing um, energy coming from it, right? Um, but you know, in all the different ones that we've, we know about, or that are more commonly known, you know, we don't hear about a Beckworth peak. Um, but you know, the Las Sierras there, it's a less populated area. Um, so, you know, maybe it's just something that not a lot of people have experienced. Um, and I didn't get to explore as much as I wanted to in that area. There was definitely a lot more um, hiking that I wanted to get to, but you know, with it being, uh, the smoke and then, um, it was hard to get my groove. I was definitely having a hard time getting into a groove, um, when I was there going through all of that. Um, but I thought that was kind of cool. So yeah, after nine long and painful months in um, Plumas County, um, transmuting generational patterns, I'd say that the Beckworth Peak definitely is a huge healer. <laughs> um, and again, this is, you know, an area that's, you know, that area, Beckworth, is a little bit less further away. Um, probably maybe 40 minutes, 45 minutes. Um, so definitely could be explored again and, oh, and also, um, Rose is another, um, wonderful, um, healer in the area, um, of Great Eagle, which is a little town right next to Blairston. Um, so, uh, so again, there's just, um, through the pain, I was able to make connections still. And that's always nice. Even when I looked in the mirror and didn't quite recognize who was looking back at me, um, that, you know, that soul, that core values of your soul is still there, um, through all the different aspects of your journey. And I wanted to share this portion of my journey with you so that you could understand and see that, that, and it's hard to see all of this when we're going through it. Um, you know, we're dealing with the day to day. So I hope this, that sharing these experiences with you, um, brings you some, maybe clarity, ease, connection, maybe a little laugh. I try to 
look back at things and go, all right, that was kind of funny, you know. Um, the scary stuff, not so great, um, but it they are a part of life. And I hope you will continue to join me um, in this infinite dance that we're all a part of. And let's see the rest of, oh, so we're going into October and the rest of October is going to be, um, interviews with guests, with spooky stories, discarnate souls, um, people that have interacted with non-embodied souls. Um, so I'm really excited for that. I'm really excited to bring more guests on. It's, something I've been wanting to do since the beginning. So I'm really, really, really looking forward to my guest, um, my guests that will share their stories with you. If you have a story and you'd like to share it, or you want it on the podcast, please reach out to me at carrylinnaerata at gmail.com. Um, if you have a ghost story or a story of, you know, a soul that you interact with regularly and you're curious to why um or if you have a story about moving in the time of covid or a covid story that you know it wouldn't have happened to you unless covid had happened right so kind of interesting when we do that and and share our stories and i do have a training coming up on October 28th. It is on discarnate souls, miasms, and stalking entities. Um, you can go to my website, ancientbodyworks.co to access that information. And it is a training. So it's not just information. Um, it is for, if you can either be doing this work already or, you know, doing psychic work, or maybe you consider yourself a witch um, or you are a witch and you're just looking for, um, uh, you know, Akashic protocols with things. Um, this training is for you, or maybe you're just curious. Um, but it's a training. There will be ritual. There will be uh, meditation within it also. Um, but I want you to see it as a training and there's two options for tuition. So, um, you can make the option, whatever one works best for you. And I am on Facebook at the infinite dance and Instagram as ancient body works. You can reach out to me at any of those listener support helps this podcast to continue going. Um, I will provide links of where you could, um, offer a one-time payment. Um, or I also have a Patreon for support. I'm on YouTube also, um, where I do post, uh, guided meditations that you could access, um, at your convenience. So I look forward to continuing to, um, bring you interesting content, um, that have to do with our soul's journey. And I will continue to keep peeling back the layers and I hope you do too. And continue to ask yourselves and each other, may I have this dance? <laughs>